Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome to Hymology. I am Kyle Webb, and I thank you for joining our program for today. We are on our 20th lesson in this series of hymn studies, and today's hymn of discussion is going to be Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom, also titled Are You Sowing the Seed and some of the books that we use. This hymn is written by Fred A. Fillmore. As we begin our lesson for today, we always begin with hymn history. The words and the music in this case are both written by Fred A. Fillmore. Frederick Augustus Fillmore was born May 15, 1856, in Paris, Illinois. He was one of seven children, five sons, two daughters, born to Augustus Damon and Hannah Lockwood Fillmore. His father was a minister in the Christian church, as well as a composer, a songbook compiler, and hymn publisher. His father was known uh, especially for developing his own system of musical notation using numbers on the staff in place of note heads. But as we look at Fred Fillmore, we begin with his life and career. We know that he settled in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he established his own music business. In 1870, following his father's death, he and his older brother James took over their father's publishing business, establishing what is known, um, I think even today, as Fillmore Brothers Music House. The firm published hymn books and later band and orchestral music. The copyright on a number of the songs that we sing today is attributed to their firm. If you pay attention to copyrights and publishers, uh, you'll be familiar with that name. Fred himself contributed the music and arrangement for many of these songs, uh, including I Know That My Redeemer Lives. That is one that uh, is common in the Churches of Christ. And another one that I am sort of familiar with, at least, is When the Waiting Time Is Over. He is attributed with writing the music of that song as well. Uh, that goes back to the, the Sacred Selections songbook of the 60s. Fillmore passed away November the 15th of 1925. The hymn itself seems to have a very interesting history. It is believed to have been written in 1903. However, the tune that 
we are familiar with is also associated with lyrics by one Palmer Hartsaw and dated 1888. And as I was able to dig a little bit deeper and to find some of the uh, actual publishings of this song, there's one printing that has Hartsaw's lyrics with the familiar tune, the tune being attributed to Fillmore and dated 1896. And so while we're kind of uncertain as to the progression of how the lyrics and the tune came together, uh, it would seem that it was first published with Hartsaw's lyrics and Fillmore's tune, and then later Fillmore came back and, and wrote his own lyrics to the song, and that is what we are familiar with today. This song can be found in almost every Brotherhood songbook to date, uh, going all the way back to Christian hymns of 1935 and even to uh, one of our more familiar recent publishings in Songs for Worship and Praise of 2010 and most every main songbook that we would use in between. The information that I was able to find is mostly online. Uh, I couldn't find anything about the history or the story of the song in any of the books that I had, um, but a couple of good uh, websites to look at, one being hymnstudiesblog.wordpress.com and also hymnary.org.org. Uh, both of those are, are good sites for information, uh, good sources of information uh, that you are welcome to look at yourself. But as we get into the song and its meaning, we begin by looking at the basis for the idea of the song. This song is undoubtedly based upon Jesus' parable of the sower. And let's look at the, the text in Scripture, Matthew 13. And we'll begin reading at verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 18. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. We are taught in Scripture to sow the seed, the word of God while here on earth. 
if it is to be shared with the world, then it must be shared by us. That is one of our great responsibilities as Christians. We need to be able to share the word of God with the lost. The seed itself will fall on various types of soil, uh, representative of the hearts of those who receive it. But it will only grow on the good ground. It doesn't discourage us from sowing the seed, but we do have to understand how it will be most effective. We have various roles in the sowing of the seed and preparing the ground to receive it. As is uh, seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 that we'll look at in a, in a moment. But ultimately, it is Christ who provides the growth. We may have various roles on earth in cultivating the ground and preparing it to receive the seed and, and encouraging uh, where it falls, encouraging the souls in which it, it comes to. But it is ultimately God who provides the growth. The song that we are looking at today samples the, the time of day, the, the stages of life in which one must labor for the Lord in his vineyard, in his garden, however you might want to, to refer to that. Uh, but certainly we understand the concept of sowing the seed on good ground. Now, before we get into the lyrics of this song, I thought I would share with you a little humor, something that was shared with me several years ago by an elder in the church, that you have to be very careful of the way you sing this song, and especially of the timing, because if you're not careful, you'll go from saying, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, to saying, are you sowing the seed of the king, dumb brother? And timing is very key there, he said. Uh, and maybe it is that, that, like me, you will now and forevermore, when you think of this song, you will think of those words and what he said. But as we get into the stanza uh, itself, stanza one, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning, bright and fair? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the noonday's glare. And let's also bring in a line from stanza two that, that applies here. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the still and solemn night? As we look at stanzas one and two, the time in which we are to work is specified here. Morning, noon, and night. Christians are to always be actively working for the Lord. Unlike with our secular jobs in which we work shifts and then we have time off, Christianity requires constant watchful vigilance and active service at all times. Think about the, the reasoning here. We are most vulnerable to temptation when we let our guard down. So if we were to take time off as Christians, uh, we would find ourselves in a very vulnerable state in which Satan uh, would, would, would try to hinder the work that we are doing. 
If we're not always vigilant, as the song suggests, we may miss an opportunity to bring a lost soul to Christ, and certainly that is our mission. But as we look at the the concept of morning, noon, and night, it's not necessarily referencing the time of day in which we are to serve so much as the representation of the seasons of our lives. Young, old. When we think of night, we think of how it represents pending death. In the parable of the workers in the vineyard, in Matthew 20, you have mention of the 11th hour, which is not necessarily a representation of uh, the time of day. Uh, again, it's a, a representation of time of life. That no matter when we receive the call, no matter when we respond to the Lord's invitation, that we are going to be rewarded equally for our service, whether we serve for many years or whether we serve for only days even. So as we, we see that, that concept, as we see it, uh, how it is represented in this song. Uh, again, we're not talking about time of day, but we're talking about seasons of life. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews, to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. The end of verse 22, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. That is our mission. God knows that we are not going to save every soul that we come in contact with. We're not going to be able to save every soul that we talk to about Christ. But we will be able to save some. And we will be judged based upon how we have served. Uh, Not necessarily uh, about everything that we've tried to do or accomplish, but in light of what we are able to accomplish. That is what we will be judged upon. Stanza 2. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the still and solemn night? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, for a harvest pure and white? The night is coming in which our works and labors on earth will be done. As Jesus says in John chapter 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. 
the night of life is coming in which we will be unable to work the the type of harvest is represented here in this song as well a harvest that is pure and white one that is good in the eyes of god one that is is uh in in many ways without blemish that we as well as those that we bring to christ may be holy before god and set apart from the world that is our mission as christians and that is what we encourage of those that we seek to win to christ and again this this idea of being vigilant here looking to the harvest that we will soon be reaping uh, that is is our primary mission in life in john chapter 4 verses 34 through 38 it says jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest behold i say to you lift up your eyes and and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together for in this the saying is true one sows and another reaps i sent you to reap that for which you have not labored others have labored and you have entered into their labors Christians provide the labor, but it is God that must supply the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 9. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters but god who gives the increase now he who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor verse 9 for we are god's fellow workers you are god's field you are god's building now, again we may have uh, different parts different aspects of the work that we do and others may add to that it may be that i plant the seed in someone and it may be after my lifetime that they actually think about the seed that has been planted that they think about becoming a christian maybe it is that someone else comes along and teaches them more perfectly the word of god and, and baptizes them into christ uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 that, um, that he and, and Apollos had different roles in the winning of souls. I planted, Apollos watered, but ultimately God gave the increase. It doesn't matter who does the laboring if we are doing it in the right way. 
and with the right motive in mind, then we understand that God is the one who provides the increase. Uh, going back to what Paul says at the latter part of our reading, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. He is speaking to the Corinthians, to the church in Corinth, when he says that you are God's field. As we bring lost souls into the kingdom, we become the field. We become God's building. And as long as we remain faithful, as long as we continue to work and sow the seed, then we will be judged based upon our labors on earth. We are bringing souls into the field, but we are the field as well. And we understand the importance of, of bringing the lost unto Christ. As we come to stanza three, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, all along the fertile way? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother? You must reap at the last great day. In our labors, we are constantly looking to one last great day the day of judgment in Acts chapter 17 verses 30 and 31 it says that truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. It is a day in which we will give account to God for our labors. In Romans 14 verses 10 through 12, Paul writes, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. In Revelation 20, beginning with verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And verse 15, And anyone not found written, in the book of life 
was cast into the lake of fire. We are waiting for the day of judgment. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And each of us shall give account of himself unto God. If we are found written in the book of life, if our names are found written in that book, then we are rewarded for our labors. Anyone not found written in the book of life, here we understand to be cast into what is referred to as the lake of fire. I want to be judged as righteous before God, but my judgment is based upon how I have lived my life and what kind of account I will give of myself before God. As we come to the chorus of this song, for the harvest time is coming on and the reaper's work will soon be done. Will your sheaves be many? Will you garner any for the gathering at the harvest home? Uh, the language here used is not uh, language that we are greatly familiar with in our day and time. Uh, a couple of the words that, that may bring question here that, that we may not fully understand. Um, sheaves. Uh, a sheaf, a noun, is defined as a bundle of grain stalks laid lengthwise and tied together after reaping. And maybe it is that if you uh, been raised in the church. I, I have images in my mind of some of the visual aids that were used in teaching Sunday school. Uh, uh, images of, of sheaves being bundled together, uh, bundles of grain, and the, the stalks that would be formed. I have a, an idea of what that might look like. Also, the word garner here is a verb, and it is defined as to gather or collect something. As in this song, it is the sheaves. We are to gather in the sheaves to bring them to God. In Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, we read, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is before us and ready. It's not future tense, it is present tense. We can see the harvest before us. And we understand the, the end, the end of our lives, the end of life on earth. The end could be any day. And we are always looking for Christ's return. Laborers in his vineyard are needed. Christians are to labor in the vineyard. 
we need not idle Christians, but we need active Christians, those who are willing to work and to do the will of God. But in order for God to send out laborers into his harvest, souls must be brought to Christ. Souls who will, in turn, bring others to Christ with them. And thinking of myself, I, I may plant the seed in an individual that, that goes on to plant the seed in others who will go on to plant the seed in others, and so forth. Many may be brought to Christ on my account just by even winning one soul. We see the importance of us being active in the kingdom, the importance of ourselves sowing the seed of the kingdom. With our time remaining, I wanted to share with you the original lyrics written by Palmer Hartsaw, and again published in 1888. And these are the original lyrics, the, the lyrics that we do not sing today. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the master's field so fair? Are you casting it forth with a full hand, brother, in the strength of faith so fair? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the early morn so bright? Are you sowing the seed as the day wears onward and approach the shades of night? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heart of tender years? Are you sowing the seed or the ground so stony, toiling on with prayers and tears? And the chorus, uh, the original chorus, Oh, the spring so bright is passing by, and the reaping time will surely come. Haste the seed-wide flinging, then at last come bringing golden sheaves for the harvest home. Very similar, but very different uh, also. Um, it's very interesting to, to compare the lyrics that we usually sing today with those that were written uh, originally in the idea of this song. I want to thank you for being with me today, and I hope that this lesson has been beneficial to you. I invite you to join us next Tuesday, Lord willing, at 11 a.m., right here on TGRN.org, thegospelradionetwork.org. Uh, thank you for your support of the program, and I look forward to being with you, Lord willing, uh, at the next appointed time for us. Thank you again, and may God bless you. <music>